Welcome to Southside Student Ministries podcast, where we are all about developing students into lifelong followers of Jesus. We trust that the message that you are about to listen to will help you know God better and help you live a transformed life. If you have any questions about what you heard, please visit us online at www.southsidestudentmen.com. Thank you for listening. But we ended last week asking one specific question. We asked one specific question last week. Does anyone remember what that question was? And you guys fumbled over your answers. It was kind of more at the beginning. But you fumbled over your answer to this one very specific question. No, what? Say it, Jessica. Nice Virginia, by the way. Who is Jesus? If someone... I know you knew it, Marissa. I knew it. So... If someone asked you the question and said, hey, Mark, who is Jesus? Or hey, B-Rest, who is this Jesus guy? What would you say? We kind of fumbled over some answers. We kind of tried to get to these conclusions. But it's really hard to put into one sentence to ask the question, who is Jesus? You say, Jesus is, uh, well, he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's Jesus. We have a hard time putting into like a consolidated, concise format of who Jesus actually is. So today, to wrap up this little conversation about Jesus, we're going to answer the question, who is Jesus. But before we get into what like the Bible says, what Christianity believes, let's have a little fun, okay? That's the fun. We're going to talk about what other religions and how they view Jesus. Because this is the question. When people come up to the question of who is Jesus, other people in your schools will have answers to this. I know some of you guys are friends with Jehovah Witnesses. Catholics believe the same thing about Jesus, just different ramifications of that. But you might come across the Hindu. You might come across someone who's like a Buddhist. You might come across someone who's a Muslim. Someone might come across as um, they believe in Islam. So how do you have this conversation with someone about what is Jesus? So we're going to talk about real quick what these various religions believe when it comes to Jesus to help us understand who Jesus actually is. Sound good? All right, so we're going to start with Islam, and I'm just going to have it all up on the screen so we can go through it. Islam, the actual religion, was founded by Muhammad in the 7th century. In other words, it was founded 600 years after Jesus walked the earth. That's important. And here's what Islam believes, okay? They believe that Jesus was actually born from a virgin. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like Allah and Mary and, yeah, Jesus. So, so, but Jesus is to be revered as the, I know, let me ask this one. So, Jesus was to be revered though, okay? So, in the Islamic faith, you actually revere who Jesus is. In other words, you show honor, you show respect. He's not just some, you know, Joe Schmo man. He actually is a very important guy. They also believe that Jesus was a prophet, Here's the kicker. Jesus was a prophet, but who is the prophet? Does anyone actually know like the, the, the Quran and how they actually go through their stuff? Yeah, Marissa. Wasn't it Muhammad? Muhammad is like the prophet. So Muhammad is a greater prophet, though, than Jesus. But Jesus was just a prophet, like Moses and so many other people in the Bible. And last, this is kind of interesting, Jesus ascended and will come back to usher in Islam around the world. But Jesus did not die on a cross and did not come back from the dead. They believe that it was maybe an illusion or is actually Judas Iscariot. That, I mean, that would make sense if he would. But the fact that it wasn't Jesus who died, okay? So Jesus didn't die. Jesus didn't rise again. He's not the Savior, but he will come back and usher in Islam all across the world. That's what Islam believes. Yeah, go ahead, Jess. What did they say about like, the proof that there was a man named Jesus that died on the cross? So there is actually almost no argumentation that there was a man named Jesus who actually did so die on the cross. So it's, it's kind of like they have the arguments for more the fact of um, if Jesus really was this great prophet who ascended into the heaven or whatnot, he could have done various different things. 
Um, but a lot of people believe that it was like an image or like an illusion or the fact that someone who looked like Jesus, like, you know, his, his, I don't know, his doppelganger or something was up there on the cross. I don't know. But they just believe that Jesus did not die. But they believe Jesus was a real person, if that makes sense. Sound good? All right, we're going through these very quick, okay? The next one is Judaism. This is one you all should be familiar with. It was founded by Yahweh through Abraham, which, where do we read that in? The Bible, thank you. In the Old Testament, who started singing Father Abraham's? <laughs> I, gave you, I love you. All right, so Jesus actually was Mary's son. Okay, that is true. There actually was a Mary and, you know, Matthew, and they had Jesus. Jesus was a respected teacher. Here's what's crazy, okay? And I thought this was really interesting when I was studying this week. Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, was actually an actually respected teacher until Christianity started to take over the world. And then all of a sudden, Christians started to hate on Jews because they were the ones who killed the Messiah. So Jesus all of a sudden became a very hated figure in the Jewish culture. Before, he didn't do anything. He was just another dead Messiah like everybody else. But he was actually revered for his teachings on various different things. Now, the Pharisees hated them, but through Judaism, they'd be like, oh, yeah, he's a good teacher. Like, he taught good moral stuff. But it wasn't until Christianity started to take over the world that you actually see hostility towards Christians and Jesus. Here's another one. Jesus was a miracle worker powered by Satan. We see that in the Bible, don't we? Oh, go ahead, Nathaniel. I was just going to say, so he was a respected teacher, yet they thought he was powered by Satan? Yes. Oh, no, the miracles were done by Satan. So he's not God. He's not the Messiah. So because they, can't, they could not deny that he did his miracles. This so is it's kind of weird. It, it is weird. It is weird. But we saw that in the scripture. We actually saw the Pharisees walk, like they saw Jesus do this. And they're like, yep, that must be Satan. So they still respect like, that's him not for God. his teaching? Right, because he taught that good things. It's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But it, 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 it is what it is. So Cassidy. Mm-hmm. But this is what's interesting, too. There was also a lot of other people who were types of messiahs that fulfilled a lot of prophecies, too. Like the star of, uh, the star of Judah, the, the, uh, there was a Simon, so it was like Simon the star and a bunch of these other people. They were looking for a messiah to tear down the pagan government and then actually build in this new kingdom of Israel. And they had all these de- various different messiahs who would free them from various things, but they always ended up not being the messiah. So with Jesus, with doing all these various different things, that he did all these miracles, he did all these prophecies, he's fulfilled them, but they don't want to listen to it because their Messiah wouldn't die. So that negates everything. So when you talk to a person who actually is, follows after Jesus, you have to talk to them about the prophecies because eventually they can't deny it. And so a lot of Christians, uh, who is the guy, um, Luke Hartman's dad for, from New York? Greg, so he was a he was a actually Orthodox Jew who became a Christian who ended up being a missionary to the Jewish community in New York City. Oh, messianic. Messianic Jew, that's right. So he still is a Jew and he still holds to a lot of Jewish customs. But it wasn't until he was proven that yes, Jesus actually is the Messiah you've been waiting for. But so a lot of times they just want to negate and forget. I don't know all their mindsets about everything though. But yeah, keep going, Cass. So do they not believe in the resurrection? Oh no, heavens no. No, heavens no. They, they, they believe that Jesus faked it, that Jesus disappeared, whatever, all these different things. Yeah, good legend. Uh, do they think that the Messiah has come yet? No. No. Not yet. Still waiting. Still waiting. And they're waiting for, and the Messiah would set up a physical kingdom when he comes. That's kind of the hard part of the conversation. And just so you know, I'm not an expert in this. So like, I know like leaders, if I'm wrong on certain things, feel free to correct me. And if you guys are like, no, I know it's this way. I'm not an expert. I'm just, I, I did all the research I can to get to this point. Um, but most, but most certainly Jesus was not the Messiah. That's the biggest thing. In other words, he is not the savior of the world that Christians believe. Here's the next one. Okay. This one you might not be as familiar with, but it's Hinduism. All right. So Hinduism, uh, there actually is no true founder. They actually don't have this person founded 
um, Hinduism, but it's a set of beliefs from the 12th to 6th century B.C., Okay, so it's evolved throughout the years. They actually believed that Jesus was a holy man and a teacher, but just like anybody else, okay? He was a holy man, which means he was set apart, he was different, he was righteous, he was a good man, and he was a very, very, very good teacher. But Jesus is simply a God. And more than just a God, it's a God who shows humans what they can attain to be. In other words, he was a human that showed Christians all who they can be by doing various different things with good works and following people and loving others and submitting yourself and humbling yourself and putting other people first and doing all these things that Jesus taught. They're like, oh yeah, that's a good thing for a Christian to attain because Hinduism isn't just an actual, I mean, it's, it's a set of beliefs, but it's more of cosmic forces. If, if I get my, if I remember everything right, Star Wars is based off Hinduism. The battle between good and evil, and it's just a constant struggle. Yeah, Star Wars is based off of Hinduism. There's your fun fact, right? I don't know. <laughs> Stand up and turn around real quick. Oh. <laughs> Why don't you know? <laughs> okay, buddy. It took me a while to get ready. You're like, wait, what am I? Oh, suck. That's a... <laughs> But it was based off, it's a struggle between good and evil. And basically, when you reach this ultimate pillar, you just become one with, like, the force. That actually is a true belief in Hinduism. You just become one with society and nature and beliefs and all these various different things. Okay? Here's the next one, okay? With Buddhism. Buddhism, though, comes from an actual person, but his name was Siddhartha Gwa, uh, Gwa, Gwa, I don't know, something. He's known as Buddha. Uh, they probably make sense that they named him Buddha. It's a lot easier. But it's from, here's another old one, okay? Really old. 563 to 43 BC. They also taught, wait a minute, they both say the same thing. Whoa. I must not have fixed it. Either way, Buddhists believe that, again, Jesus is just another good person to follow. All right? We'll keep going on, though. Mormonism. This is one that you might interact with here in today's culture, okay? Maybe not so much here, but I don't know if you knew this or not, but in most states, Mormonism is the fastest-growing religion, okay? It's the fastest-growing religion in a lot of states across America. And here's the crazy thing, okay? Mormons will say, oh, yeah, we're Christians, but they're one of the most, like, I don't know. If you're a Protestant Christian, you're like, no, Mormonism, you're just a weird sect, you're a cult, whatever, same with Jehovah's Witness, but they claim to be followers of Jesus. So we need to look and see what do they actually believe about Jesus. So it was founded by Joseph Smith in the 1820s, but do you know who actually brought this religion, whatever you want to call it, to prominence? Mr. Mormon. <laughs> Sorry, J Joseph Smith was a, oh, he was a, whatever. So, um, who brought Mormonism to its, like, peak prominence where it actually exploded all over the place? There's actually a university. Brigham Young, yeah, BYU. So, Brigham Young was actually a really big person who, like, pushed Mormonism and helped it grow. But it was actually founded by Joseph Smith in the 1820s. If you read his biography, it's actually really funny and hilarious in some regards, too. So he was like an impoverished dude, super poor, living in the slums of New York City. He got this random vision from God in it, and he saw this like golden shield, and this angel was talking to him. And basically, the angel said, hey, everything you've known about Christianity for like the last 1,800 years, yeah, that was a bunch of, bunch of baloney. Even the disciples, like they, they messed up Christianity. They actually distorted it. They dirtied it. They muddied it up. They made it not holy anymore. But I'm going to tell you the secret and hence Mormonism. So basically, this angel came to Jesus and said, even the disciples messed up what Jesus wanted in Christianity, so I'm going to give you the secret insight. You mean Joseph? Thank you. Joseph Smith. It's I keep going back and forth. So with Joseph Smith, and I'll give you the secret insight of what it's supposed to all be about. Yeah, Hannah. But if they had got, if the disciples had gotten it wrong, wouldn't Jesus have corrected them while he was still there? 
Jesus was gone. It was after Jesus was gone. So after Jesus was gone, so after Jesus died, and then they continued on. That, then they then they like like cluttered everything up and ruined Christianity. But then why would only this one guy know the truth about Christianity? I don't know. That's why I'm not a Mormon. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. It's a good question. So good question to ask. So here's what they believe: Jesus is ready. The son of God and son of Mary. So when they read in the Bible that he was the son of God, they actually think that Jesus was actually the son. Like, Elliot's my son. Elliot's the son of Mark. He was the son of God and son of Mary. But they believe that Jesus is not God, but that Jesus eventually became the Messiah. If you know how Mormonisms believe, they actually have these different levels of heaven. They have this one where like God is in, Right? Like, and you will be with God forever. They have another stage of heaven, and then they have another stage of heaven, and that's where the worst of worst people are. So even like Hitler is in their version of heaven, okay? It's not with God, but it's in like this other random part. The only people that go to hell are those people who leave the Mormon faith. That's how you get people to stay in your religion. So literally, you have to be Mormon. Yeah, so, so you have to, but if you're not, if you are Mormon and leave the Mormon faith, that's what sends you to hell. That's why talking to Mormon, converting to Mormon and Christianity is one of the most impossible things to do because they always they've been taught this question. They'd be like, hey, so even if we're wrong about Christianity, they'll even say, even if we're wrong or right or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're still going to go to a he- go to a heaven. But if we're right, Joseph Smith was a smart man. <laughs> That's why they have the prettiest church in the world. So, but Jesus is not God, but ultimately he became a, the Messiah. He became a God from that, okay? Here's Jehovah Witness, all right? So this is one that we have a Jehovah Witness. They don't call it a church. They call it like a town hall or something like that, a kingdom hall. Kingdom you break it. Oh, here we go. Okay, so I have a quote from Mormonism before we go to Jehovah Witness. This is actually from an actual Latter-day Saints article entitled, What Mormons Believe About Jesus Christ? Mormons believe... That all men and women ever be born, including Jesus Christ, live with God as his spirit children before this life. Uh, actually, I've heard it. <laughs> In other words, y'all were just like a pile of goop living with God before you came here. God wanted each of us to, be, to come to earth to gain experience, learn and grow, to become more like him. But God also knew that all his children would sin, die, and fall short of his glory. We would need a savior to overcome our sins and imperfections and reconcile us with God. Mormons believe that Jesus Christ was chosen to be this savior a long time ago during our pre-mortal life. In other words, Jesus was just a normal person just like all of us, and he was chosen to be the Messiah. Weird, huh? We shouted for joy when we were presented with God's glorious plan for all of his children. That's literally from the actual Mormon website. And I'm just curious, don't that... Don't they also think that there's a bunch of other creations in the world? I think so. I think there's something about creation. It's not like there's more than just our cosmos or something like that. Don't quote me, though. I don't remember all of it. I've heard everyone that before. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Good question, though. All right. Last one, Jehovah Witness. It was founded by Charles Taze Russell in the 1870s. So what happened around the 1870s? Civil War around that time. And this is what they believe, okay? They believe that Jesus is not God, but he was the first created being by God. So God was God, and the first created being was Jesus, okay? So Jesus was not always there. Jesus is not God. Jesus was not always with God, but Jesus had a beginning just like all of us. When they read in the scripture that Jesus was the firstborn above all creation, they actually read the like, no, he's like the legit firstborn. Like he was like created. Jesus is the way to the Father, but is not God and should not be worshipped. 
If you go to their website, jw.org, they actually will say, they will say Jesus is not meant to be worshipped. You do not sing songs to Jesus. You do not like worship Jesus. You do not even like talk about it in that light. He is just the way to get to God. Okay? He's just, he's just like, think, think, of a, think of a bridge, okay? You're here, you're there. Jesus is how you take that next step to get there. But Jesus is not ultimately God, okay? And I thought this was just hilarious. You ready for this? Jesus is king of God's kingdom and started ruling in 1914. That's very specific. <laughs> so what they did, they took the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel, wrote out the timeline of all the various different years, and they said, okay, at the end of whatever Daniel's chapter four's conversation is, that's when Jesus would now be ruling and reigning. And when they did all the math from when Daniel was and when Jesus was, they were like, okay, 1914. So before 1914, Jesus had no rule over God's kingdom. After 1914, Jesus has rule over all of God's kingdom. If you go to the Jehovah Witness church, building, whatever you want to call it, what is it? I think it's like Kingdom Hall? Kingdom Hall. And here's what it is, it's okay, because they're not a church. They're actually like getting ready for Jesus to come back, tear down the actual political government and set up his government, and they're gonna be like ready to go. Like they're gonna be like, that's like the town hall. Like they're ready to fight and like not really fight fight, but you know what I mean. So they're like they're ready to go on Team Jesus and actually rule and reign. So here yeah, okay, go ahead. So if someone is hundred and five, they were born when the king when Jesus was ruler of God's kingdom. Yes, Gabe. I guess they would. Pretty <laughs> dope, huh? That's right. So here's the question, though. Okay, so, and this might be something that you don't know super well about. I really think I smashed my remote. What about Christianity? Okay, not just what does Christianity believe, but more than, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Did I miss something? Um, Jenna wants to know what... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> she actually asked it, and then, like, she wouldn't actually ask you. Yeah. What religion does not celebrate birthdays? Jenna, what was your question? Yeah, they don't. So yeah, Jehovah Witnesses they don't celebrate any holidays. They don't celebrate Christmas. So if you ever want to know more about Jehovah Witness, talk with Amanda because she has a coworker. And okay, I just gotta say this. I know it's recording, but I'm I'm I'm, I was so bummed. Okay, I went home the other day, and I missed the Jehovah Witnesses. They put something on my door, and I wasn't there. Oh man, I've been waiting for a long time. Here's the fun fact. You ready for this? They actually knocked on our door one time, and Nicole opened the door. And they're like, oh, hey, we're Jehovah Witnesses. Okay, and she's like, oh, my husband is at work, which I don't know why Nicole's telling everyone that, oh, my husband is gone. It's just me and a baby. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I was in Nashville? Even better. Yeah, I remember. And then here's, and then, and then this was really fun. Nicole, continue the story. They said, they asked what your husband did. I've been waiting, yo. I've been way in. I've been way in. My mom, oh my goodness. I've been waiting. But either way, either way, here's the question, because we don't have a lot of time. Um, we literally have about 10 minutes to get through a lot of stuff. So here's the question, okay? What about Christianity? How do we know that these religions aren't right? Ready? Here's the real question. How do you know that what you believe is not a load of crap? Did you catch that? How do you know what you have belief? How do I know what my entire job and career has been built around is not a lie? 
How do we know that when we talk to people about our faith, that we're Christians, that we're followers of Jesus, that we actually are telling the truth? How do we know that what we're saying about is true and real and that the Mormons aren't right, the Jehovah Witnesses aren't right, the, the, you know, the Islam, Hindus, Buddhists, all these other various different sects, S-E-C-T, just so no one gets embarrassed. <laughs> different sects, okay? I can't say that word either, apparently. So how do we not know those ones are true and what sets Christianity apart? When someone asks a Christian, what, who is Jesus, what would you say? And there is one little verse in the Gospel of John that tells us everything that we need to know. So grab your Bibles real quick and go to John 1. Go to John 1. If you don't have a Bible, we can get you one. So shoot your hand if you don't have one. You want to read an actual physical Bible? If you don't have a Bible, we can get you one too. Because, you know, when you're in church, it might be good to have a Bible. Like that, that might be good. Just saying. So John 1, verses 14 is where we're going to be. John 1, 14. If someone asks you the question, John, what, who is Jesus? This verse actually tells you exactly who Jesus is. So in John 1, it actually is an introduction to the entire book of John, the entire letter, the entire gospel, the entire good news, the account of Jesus. In this one little chapter, we actually see John take what is in the rest of this gospel, all 21 chapters, and actually tell us what it is all about, okay? This is the summary. So everything that we can read in chapter 1, he actually proves it throughout the text in John, okay? We don't have time to go through it all. I encourage you to take the steps and go do it yourself, okay? But this is all the proof of that. But in John chapter 1, we read a lot of really cool things, specifically this verse. Who's there? Kara, are you there? Can you read John 1, 14? You got it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, we have a lot of questions in that text, okay? But that is who Jesus is. We have one question. is How do we know Jesus is, like, the Word? Like, who is the Word? Talk, keeps talking about the Word. The Word in the, the, the word, word in Greek, if I remember, means, like, knowledge or something like that. Am I, am I right? The Word for Word is knowledge. I'm making sure I get that right. The Logos, you're thinking? The Logos, yeah. Yeah, so it's the Word. In other words, it's not just, like... Like knowledge, it's basically they're saying like Jesus is like everything. He is all encompassing, and we know he's talking about Jesus because it talks about the whole thing is the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, and then enter into Jesus, and then it continues on with the story. But so it talks about that Jesus in verse fourteen. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We observe Jesus' glory, the glory of the only one of the Father, the, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he even says in verse fifteen, this is cool. John testified. Concern him and exclaim, this is the one whom I said, the one is coming after me, ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. And then it keeps going on into the story of Jesus. In John chapter 1, this is what's different than all of the religions, okay? This isn't part of, like, you don't have to write this down, just remember this. When we read the gospel of John, when we read the gospel of Matthew, gospel of, of Mark, gospel of Luke, these are people who either A, lived with Jesus, followed Jesus, studied under Jesus, saw Jesus do his miracles, actually like sat at the feet of the master. They sat at the feet of Rabbi Jesus. All these other people pretty much got this weird like angel who came to them and talked to them probably when they were high or something. I don't even know. Or drunk. I don't even know. Actually, Joseph Smith was a really weird dude. Just read his biography. So, but not, not the whole thing. It's pretty long, but either way. So, but whenever we see people talking about Jesus and these new religions, these new faiths that are coming out, it's actually these people who are like, no, the original Christianity was wrong. 700 years later, let me tell you about it. 
or there's these old ancient faiths that happened before Jesus, and then they just bring Jesus into the picture. When we read the Gospels, it's actually people who lived with Jesus, or didn't just live with Jesus, they studied under people who lived with Jesus. They actually went and talked to the mother of Jesus, Mary, and got all their facts. So when we read this, we're actually reading people who were with Jesus. And in this passage, it actually tells us three very important things about who Jesus is. And when people ask you, who is Jesus? These are the three things you should tell them, okay? Here's the first one. Jesus is God in the flesh. All right, this is where you want to write crap down. Jesus is God in the flesh. Okay? This passage, though, that little idea has a lot of connotation to it. Okay? Since Jesus is God, that meant he was in the beginning with God. He was not created. He has always been there. How do we know that? John chapter 1 verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. All right? Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. The same Jesus was in the beginning with God. Jesus actually is God, okay? But not just God, but God in what? The flesh. The flesh. What is the flesh? The skin. The body. So, here, so what is this telling us then? Jesus is God in the flesh. What does that mean? Yes, Jesus was God and Jesus was human. There was a lot of fight throughout entirety of church history that says, okay, how does this work? How is Jesus God and how is Jesus man? And the answer is, well, like we can't fully understand it. We can't fully describe how Jesus is both 100% God, 100% man. But we know they both have to happen because if Jesus was not 100% man, he could not sympathize with us and empathize with us. He could not be our great high priest. We wouldn't be able to read that Jesus was tempted in all ways because Jesus wasn't 100% man. And he was only like a little bit man and mainly God. And he was tempted. We'd be like, oh yeah, so when Jesus tells us live a perfect life or like not live a perfect life, but live a holy set apart life, live like I did. We'd be like, yeah, you were God. So you weren't really man. So how the crap are we supposed to do that? Are you looking at my motorcycle socks? No, you wrapped your, your motorcycle socks. Really? Your and, like, Did I like, take them out? Oh. Thank you. Nice socks. But thank you. My motorcycle socks. So Jesus was God in the flesh. He was 100% man. He was 100 percent God. But how do we get those two to work together? Okay. We can have a good conversation about that, but we ain't got time. So I'm going to leave you with this quote from my boy, Martin Luther. You ready? The mystery of humanity of Christ that he, ready, sunk himself. In other words, like he kind of like became, like went into becoming man. So the mystery of humanity of Christ that he sunk himself into our flesh is beyond all human understanding. So how did Jesus actually become both man and God? The answer is, well, he did. And how do we know? And that's the part. Like, how do we believe that he actually is both God? And how do we actually believe that he is man? Some of it comes by faith. Some of it is we know that he actually was a man who lived and like he lived. He actually had a job. He was a carpenter. In fact, here's a fun fact. You know, he, Jesus might not have actually been a wood carpenter. He might have actually been a stone masonry. I'm just saying, like he might have worked with stone because up in like Nazareth, there was no like trees. It was all like clay. It was all like, um, Stone pits and mine pits and stuff like that. So he potentially could have been an actual like, stone worker. That's a lot of fun facts, but we'll get that later. Not later, but like maybe forever. So, But Jesus was actually a man. The Bible actually says that he hungered. He had sorrow. When his best friend died, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead anyways, but the Bible says he still wept. He still cried. He actually understood emotions. He had emotions. And the fact, the Bible even says Jesus was tempted in all the same ways that we are. In other words, that means Jesus was tempted with power, with greed, with disobeying parents, 
with, you know, even like, even sex. Yeah, Jesus was tempted with that too. Like he was tempted in all ways that we were. We like to put Jesus on this very high God pedestal, but he was a man, a human, just like all of us were. But at the same time, we know Jesus was also God. Because he did so many miracles. He made himself rise from the dead. And more than just that, he claimed to be God as well. And we see his own followers saying, yes, Jesus wasn't just a man, but he is God. What's the second thing that we see in John 1, 14? You ready? Here's the second thing we see. We see that Jesus is God coming to man. Okay? So we see that Jesus is God who became a man. But he wasn't just that. He was Jesus. Jesus was God who became a man and lived with man. What's the story of mankind? Someone tell me, what's the story of mankind? This is the gospel. But what's the story of mankind? We messed up. <laughs> God created it. You done messed up, Aaron. You just, you did it. Is that reference too old now already? I don't know. So thank you, substitute teachers. Thank you, thank you. I recommend don't watch. Yeah, it's a lot of F-bombs in that one. So, but what's the story of man? God created a perfect world. Who screwed it up? Eve first, but also Adam. Okay, let's just not just say Eve, but let's just be honest. If it wasn't for Eve, we'd probably be okay. So, but Adam and Eve sinned. They screwed up. Actually, Adam was a weak sauce husband who, you know, let's just, we'll talk about that later. So he was just weak sauce. He was weak sauce. Mankind, stinking Adam and Eve, jeez. Yeah, when we all see them in heaven, they're like, oh man, it's going down. So, but Adam and Eve sinned, screwed up, but all of us mess up. And because we messed up, sin entered the world. Because of sin, we're now separated from God. Brokenness has entered the world. Pain has entered the world. Suffering, sorrow, death, disease, destruction, natural disasters even. All this stuff entered the world because we sinned, but who is going to fix it? Jesus Jesus is going to come and he's going to restore all of creation. Now when Jesus actually came, he, he lived, he died when we put our faith and trust in him and what it is, we, beca- we begin to be restored as well and going back to God's original design and plan for us. But creation is even going in that direction. And one day, Jesus will come back and make all things new. I don't think he's going to blow up the world and start new. I think he's going to make what we already have the way it was supposed to be all along. But we know that's what Jesus is going to do. But more than just that, we see that Jesus, before even just coming down and stepping out, he actually made his residence with us. What this passage actually says is in, in verse 14, if you read it again, it actually says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When you see what that word dwelt meant, this is actually a lot of fun. It actually meant he pitched his tent. Okay? This is what it means. He moved into our neighborhood. That's what it means. Jesus moved in down the street. In other words, he lived with us. This is one of the biggest differences between a lot of religion and Christianity. A lot of religion says, I have to do this to earn God's favor. I have to do this to get to God. I have to do this for God to even do certain things. Mythology is wrapped up in that. In fact, it was actually crushed. If you didn't get ranked because you sinned, and you did something against the gods. Gods are blessing you, you must have done something really good for them. That's what mythology was all about. That's what we see Old Testament religions are all about. We see a lot of modern things about that too. We want to do good to please God so we can get stuff from God. But Christianity is not about that. Christianity is God stepping out of heaven and coming towards us. But here's the question that I have for you guys, okay? Why do you think it's important that Jesus became a man and then stepped into heaven, or stepped into earth? Why do you think that's important in this whole story? Why do you think it's important that Jesus took up residence with us? Oops. Because he was a man. Because he was a man? Yeah. He was a sacrifice for us. He paid the penalty that we should have paid. 
There's a lot of things that go into it. In Christianity, though, we see that we can never be separated from the love of God. Now, here's the question, though, okay? This is where Christianity can meet a little hairy and a little icky and a little doesn't make sense, okay? I said the word icky. I don't know why I said that, but I did. I have a three-year-old. That's what I did. Did I get you? I got you. Boop. So, yes, I have a laser. Whoa. Oh. I have a laser. Here you go, okay? A lot of times, as Christians, we think, okay, so since God came to us, we don't have to go to God. There's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God. We can do whatever the heck we want to do. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God, whether I do this or this or this. It doesn't matter. It's just our physical bodies or whatever. It doesn't matter. But in reality, we always see that what our response out of what Jesus did for us should result in righteous, good, holy, just, selfless living. So because Jesus became a man and lived with us and took up his residence with us, we don't have to go to God anymore because he came to us. And this is the last thing that we see, okay? The last thing we see in the text is Jesus shows mankind God. All right, this is, I'll, show you what, I'll tell you what it means. Jesus shows mankind God, and add this little to your thing. Did I misspell it? Jesus uh-huh. shows mankind, oh, okay. Jesus shows, man, S, shows mankind God. And then here you go. No, no, no. No, no, no. It, I got it right. There should be a comment. No, it shouldn't be. Jesus shows mankind God and points the way back to God. Okay? So Jesus shows us who God is and then points back towards Jesus. We don't have a lot of time to read all these verses, but I want you to at least write these down. All right? Write these references down. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Philippians 2, all right, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. And last, ready? Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. In those three passages, we see how Jesus points us back to God and why Jesus actually points us back to God and why Jesus actually did what he came to do and the rewards from that and the rewards actually out of that. And here's the question. Why did Jesus come to earth? This is what separates Christianity apart too. So when someone says, who is Jesus? You say, Jesus is God in the flesh who came to man to point back towards God. And why? Why, is, why did Jesus do all this? And the answer is very simple. You ready? To redeem us back to God. Jesus came to redeem us and bring us back to God. That's why Jesus came and did what he did. You know, there's not a lot of time to talk about this and go into a lot of these details because there's a lot of stuff we skipped over. But there's something in this text that a Jewish person would understand that we don't understand. And this is actually really cool. You ready? This whole reference of what Jesus is happening here where he like dwelt among us and, he, and it talks about, uh, where is it? We deserve the glory, the glory of the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth. Do you actually know this is a reference to the tabernacle in the Old Testament? They don't actually know what the tabernacle in the Old Testament actually is. Not the temple, not the temple, the tabernacle. That's a portable. Wait, what? Yes. What's the tabernacle? The portable temple? Hey, there's a better answer than that. Come on. Go ahead, Hannah. Was it the ha- wasn't it supposed to be like the house or the resting place on earth where God was? Yes, at what time? 
that, that, yes, that, that was at the tabernacle, but eventually that became the temple. That's when Jesus tore the veil. So yes, but the tabernacle, so yes, you are correct. That is where God made his place here on earth. But during what time frame? Before Jesus. Before Jesus, when? With the Israelites, where? In the wilderness. Who was their leader? Moses. Moses. So we're talking like Exodus here, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. When you see the tabernacle in the Old Testament, this is where God made his abode with his people, okay? So when they built this tabernacle, it was super cool. When they would build a tabernacle, you would actually see like a big pillar of cloud come down and fill the tabernacle space. Whenever you saw where God was, it was either fire or it was a cloud. When Moses went up to the Mount Sinai, a cloud all of a sudden formed the top and they knew God was there. When they built the tabernacle and the cloud formed it, they knew God was there. When Solomon built the temple, or built, the, built the actual temple and they dedicated it to God, what happened? The cloud was there. It actually resembled where Jesus was with his chosen people, Israel. And inside of there, there was actually this light that beamed above the, the, above the mercy seat. And it was actually this light that shone. And the only people who could see this was the high priest at one time of year. They would go before God and they would see God. They would go on behalf of the people with God. So when the Israelites would see the tabernacle, they would see, okay, this is where God is with us just right now. This is where he makes his abode with us at this time. But we pick up, we move, he comes back down. He leads us to where we need to go. His glory is in there. There's something called the Shekinah glory. God's glory is shown in this place, but nobody can see it. No one can touch it. No one can experience it. No one can have it, but that's where God is. Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle, okay? And the fact of when we talked about God made his presence in the tabernacle to be with his people, God took up his residence in the form of Jesus, in the man of Jesus. Jesus is God, okay? Jesus is God. He came to his people and he made his residence with us. No longer is God just in a tabernacle, in a place where only one person can see it, but Jesus is with all people. And just like inside that tabernacle, there was this light above the mercy seat that was actually there that showed people who God was and that God was here. Jesus does the same thing. So when someone asks you, who is Jesus? When you say Jesus is God in the flesh, who made up his residence here on earth, so that way we all can be redeemed to point back to God. That's what who Jesus actually is. So when you see this Easter season, when you think about Easter, when you think about the resurrection, when you think about this whole idea of is Christianity something to believe in? Is Christianity really this true religion? Is Christianity really something I need to give my life to? The first question is, is we need to see who Jesus, who did Jesus say he was? His follower kind of summed it up this way and what I just told you. God in the flesh, who came to earth as a man to show people their way back to God to redeem all of mankind. And how can we believe that Jesus actually was God who was in the flesh as a man? And there's only one answer, and that's found in the resurrection. So there's a question that we still have to answer, and the question is this. What does that mean for us today? What does that mean for you right now? We're not going to have a lot of small group time to talk about this because we're going to, I knew this was going to take a little bit. I knew it was going to be extended, but I want to do a lot of Jesus worship tonight because when we go back through the slides, we actually see that Jehovah Witnesses, we're not supposed to worship Jesus by Jessica. We're not actually supposed to like worship who Jesus is. We're going to worship him tonight. I think worshiping him right now in song, praising the truth of who he is, just even the name of Jesus and that we can have the assurance in him, I think is way more important than having fun in small groups. So we're going to do that tonight together. We're going to sing a few songs. Say, I worship you. You guys can come up and get ready. Then afterwards, we'll have probably about 15 minutes of small groups. And I, yes, I want you guys to have fun. But yes, I ultimately want you to answer that question of what does Jesus mean to you right now, if he was true? Yeah, Daniel.
Oh, sorry. You're like, uh, all right. All right. So, yeah, where's the team? Get ready. I'll pray, and then we'll do some worship together. Sound good? This is Mark Hyde, the pastor here at Southside Student Ministry. Just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. If it's been encouraging to you in any way, shape, or form, we would encourage you just to rate us. Get, leave us a five-star review if you can. It actually helps other students see us when they go looking for podcasts to know that we're just not a load of crap and that they can actually trust us with the content we're kicking out. We will see you all next time here on Southside Student Ministries Podcast.